Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Today, we're going to be talking about something I find so incredibly fascinating. So sharpen your pencils. If you use a pencil, get your pens out or get your tablet out because you know, we hear people talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil all the time, but I don't know about you. I've never heard a message about the tree of life because our idea about the tree of life is, all right, the tree of life has been removed from us. Uh, uh, so that has no bearing on us at all. But you know something? After years and years and years of research, uh, because I go back nearly every year and study and investigate and do translation work about what happened in Genesis 3, the whole 2 and 3, the whole Garden of Eden experience. And uh, I wanna, I'm going to share with you today how you can get as close as possible to eating from the tree of life. And, you know, I know most people say, okay, well, Jesus, you know, he's my tree of life. That's, that's true. I understand that but it's really a lot bigger than that. So, so get ready. And remember, we're still talking about being the wisdom of God. This is, man, I'm telling you, this is a bigger topic than I ever imagined that it would be. So I want to read Proverbs chapter three to you. Now, remember, we talked about this in, in recent weeks. As new covenant believers, we can't keep approaching God uh, and trying to get responses from God or trying to participate in what God has offered us uh, by following the model of how Jesus ministered to lost people. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not saying there's not a place for miracles because, man, you know, my, I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for miracles. I've seen, I've personally conducted crusades all over the world. I've seen every miracle in the New Testament and or every kind of healing in the New Testament. And so I'm, I'm not anti-miracle, but what I have found is this. As believers, we have the life of God inside us. So there's never a question of getting the life of God. But there is a question, you might use the terminology, and, and you know, words are so misleading because we're, we're using natural words to try to describe something that's supernatural. We're trying to, we're trying to uh, reconcile the infinite with finite uh, concepts and words. But, but, are we accessing this life? And if we do access this life, how do we do it uh, as believers? And really, uh, the Bible teaches us what to do. Jesus taught us what to do. Um, but somehow or another, we've just got a particular paradigm locked into our head about what to do when we're facing a problem. And the thing that we talked about just, like I said, just in the last few weeks is the fact that uh, the Bible tells us that when we are facing uh, temptation, testing, trials, uh, uh, scrutinizing or anything that makes us, you know, to strive or to struggle. It says that it doesn't say to pray for a miracle. It says to pray for 
wisdom. And wisdom is the practical application of truth. I mean, it's bigger than that, but that's basically your fundamental understanding of wisdom. So see, if I've got the life of God inside me, then all I need to know is based on the beliefs of my heart, based on where I am today and my journey with God, uh, what how, or how am I going to walk this out today? Because you don't walk them all out the same every time. And, you know, I cannot tell you the number of people who literally have their lives saved uh, over the years. People who had life-threatening diseases and they made up their mind in advance what they were going to do to get healed. And it was usually, it was usually something that they considered to be of faith. And, uh, and, you know, my question to them would always be, well, you know, did you get that from God? Is that what God's speaking to you? Or where did you get this? Well, it's just in the Bible. Well, I know it's in the Bible. A lot of stuff is in the Bible. You know, the Bible, you, you take part of a scripture where it says Judas hung himself. And you take another scripture where Jesus said, go do likewise. And you say, okay, then I need to go hang myself. You know, I mean, you can, you can make the Bible say anything that you want to say. But wisdom applies truth in the way that your heart right now can actually walk it out. And, uh, and I'm telling you over the years, I've, I don't know how many people that I've just gotten with them and as kind and loving as I could is like, look, you don't, you know, you know healing's yours, but if you've already decided how you're gonna walk this out, you are not following God. You are not allowing him to be your shepherd you are trying to be his shepherd and you're saying, I'm going to do this this way. So God, come over here and walk this path that I'm walking and, and make this work. Well, I'm telling you, that is not how it works. We, you know, we, we can cling to the promise. We can take hold of the promise. We can claim the promise as ours. We can see and meditate and ponder in our heart and envision ourselves living in the promise but the wisdom of God is when the Lord, our shepherd, leads us down the path that causes us to reach that particular destination. The way that is most harmonious with the word of God, most harmonious with where our heart beliefs are at that moment in time, and basically in the way that's really going to work. Listen, Proverbs 3, starting in verse 13 and then going to verses 16 and 18, talk about wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand. So length of days, that means not dying from sickness, not premature death. In her left hand are riches and honor. Oh, wait a minute. What, what does wisdom have to do with riches and honor? Well, I'll tell you one thing it has to do with it. It has to do with being able to prosper and it not destroying you because of foolishness. Verse 17 says, her ways are uh, ways of pleasantness. Ooh, I like that. All her paths are peace. In other words, when you're, when you're walking in the wisdom of God, you're not going to walk down a path that gets you in chaos and, and, and in turbulence. Listen to this, verse 18. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. Now, we've already discussed the fact that man has exalted the pursuit of knowledge over wisdom. In fact, Man pursues knowledge with no recognition uh, of the need for wisdom. Modern society rejects wisdom and exalts knowledge. And that's, that's really just the way it is. See, wisdom is deeply rooted in morals and values. And the primary reason for the rejection of wisdom in modern society is the rejection of absolute values. Right and wrong 
or morals, these are intangibles. In order for intangibles to exist, we must acknowledge that there is a world beyond the physical, material, tangible world. So unless right or wrong comes from God, comes from absolute morals and values, then the question is this, then who gets to decide and define right and wrong? Who gets to decide? Well, only an eternal God could establish absolute objective right and wrong. An intangible world with absolute values means someone outside of this individual uh, or, or an individual is determining those morals and values. And the rejection of wisdom is the rejection of absolute right and wrong, thereby the rejection of God without explicitly stating that you're rejecting God. Now, knowledge is not about the whole. It's about the individual parts. Thus, the rise of the specialist in the modern world. You see, the more people become specialists, the less they actually understand the big picture. And although it is a trend that started in science, it has become a way of thinking that's permeated, permeated modern society. Knowledge without righteousness gives rise to selfishness. Knowledge without wisdom is ego-based and subject to personal morals and values rather than absolute morals and values. People who act on knowledge without wisdom have a, have a tendency to actually miss the way. They're surprised at the consequences of their behavior. If they have a vague belief in a religious God, they just blame God when their actions destroy what they value, their family, their relationships, their health, but mostly any kind of a relationship with God. Knowledge without wisdom doesn't factor in the need for righteousness. And righteousness is a continuum that starts with God's character and nature, moves through our character and nature, through our beliefs, uh, through uh, our behavior and how we navigate life. So we don't want to be one-dimensional thinkers that attempt to reduce everything down to just one specialist concept, one specialist defini definition. See, wisdom applies knowledge in a way that guards the heart and keeps us on the path of righteousness. Now, this is so important that we understand this. Wisdom, remember, on this path of wisdom, there's always peace. And in this path of wisdom, we always reach our goal without destroying our, our connection with God. Now, like I said, we've, had a, we've talked a lot in, in the Christian world about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we really haven't talked much about the tree of life. So let, let's kind of go back to the very beginning and see if we can sort some of this stuff out. See, Genesis 2, 8 and 9 says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed, and now, let's look at this before we even go even farther. The word Eden means pleasure, delight, and voluptuous living. Man, I have told people this for years. The one time in all of history that God uh, is able to establish His perfect will for man was the Garden of Eden. And there wasn't any sickness there. There wasn't testing. There wasn't pain. There wasn't sin. There wasn't sickness. There wasn't disease. There wasn't lack. There was none of these things. So God's will did not change from the Garden to after the fall of man. 
And in fact, the only other time we're going to see God's will done perfectly on earth is when New Jerusalem comes to planet earth and finally, finally once again, uh, man is totally surrendered to God and God is able to, to provide for man what he has wanted for him all along. But we have, we have this place called Eden, which is all about living in pleasure. Now today, the concept of Eden is whenever, whenever Jesus would talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, a Hebrew listening to him preach would think about the Garden of Eden because the Garden of Eden was like the kingdom of God. It was the place where God ruled, but it was also like the kingdom of heaven where all of the resources and provisions of heaven were there. Now, the word Eden is spelled A-N Dalit Noon. Now, A-N is about spiritual insight and about perception. But it also gets into wisdom because it indicates the ability to see both the positive and the negative. Um, in other words, you get inside the paradox. So, so uh, you have to understand, see, God doesn't just show us the bad to scare us away from our lust. He allows us to see pleasure, and destruction so we can become wise, so we can understand, yes, there is pleasure in this, but there's also destruction. Uh, we get to see both sides of it. Now, with the loss of Aen, greed and coveting causes us to become trapped in darkness. And this is, this is just uh, what we understand about Eden and about what can happen if Eden is destroyed. The next letter is the Dalit, which represents a portal or a gateway to spiritual knowledge. And this spiritual knowledge binds us to God or to the physical world. So because this knowledge apart from God can be an open door to grief uh, or joy, then, then if we go through this door and we don't go through it in a way to bind ourselves to God, we're going to bind ourselves to this world. Instead of binding ourselves to the joy of the Lord, we're going to bind ourselves to the griefs and sorrow that take place in the natural world. Then the last letter is the noon, which causes faith to emerge, breaking down walls of separation. But without God, uh, we're, going, we're going to have separation. I mean, if we're not connected to God, if we, didn't, if we didn't go through this door looking to connect with God. See, Eden would not be Eden if man was not connected to God. And we discovered that when, when Adam brought sin into the world. Now, in Genesis 2, 7, it says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, living soul is the same root word that's used in the tree of life, that word for living. Now, what, before sin came into the picture, a living soul, which again, this word for living is, is the same Hebrew word as the tree of life. So, so it was a soul that, and your soul is your emotions. It's where you think. It's where you feel everything that comes into your world, whether it comes through your five senses, whether it comes through you spiritually, you feel it in your soul. But man's soul was dominated by or influenced and controlled by the life of God. So in man's soul and in his connection to God in Eden, he, he felt this, this, this continual life and his emotions were all based on being alive to God and, and, and being at peace with God and being connected with God. And so, you know, before the fall, man didn't have to struggle with the flesh. He didn't have conflicting information that he had to assess. 
Now, Genesis 6, 3 says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, this is after the fall, uh, forever, for he indeed is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, when, 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 man, when man got into sin, and basically he chose independence from God, he chose to become the one who would determine good and evil for his life. And we've already talked about the fact that good and evil uh, is, is, is good as anything that's pleasurable, anything that's enjoyable, anything that brings benefit to your life. Evil is chaos and, and destruction and pain and suffering and all, all these kinds of things. It's bigger than just moral good uh, and moral evil. It, it's the whole concept of pain and pleasure. And so, so when man disconnected himself from God because, because if you want to choose good and evil, even today as a believer, if you want to choose good and evil, you harden your heart to God. You alienate yourself from God and you are left playing God for yourself and deciding uh, what's going to bring you pain and pleasure independent of God's wisdom, independent of God's direction for your life. So basically man's spirit died. And the word death just has to do with being separated. It doesn't mean it stopped existing. It, it was separated. He was separated from God. And so now he would evaluate good and evil based on the flesh. In other words, based on uh, the gratification that something would bring to his flesh, not based on uh, staying connected to the life of God. And, and this is where the whole battle starts. Of, of man's struggle with the flesh. And see, when we get born again, even though we've got a new nature, we've still got the five senses of the flesh that are, that are sending signals to our soul about pain and pleasure based on how the lust of our flesh will be fulfilled. But we've, then, we've got in, then we've got input from our spiritual man coming into our soul based on how walking with God is going to feel. And so it just comes down to, to uh, which one you want to gratify, gratify which, which information you trust. So it says in verse 9, it says, And out of the ground the Lord made every tree, uh, every tree grow that, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, again, there's crazy teachings out there about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And some people believe that God just put it there to test man. Uh, but one thing we know for sure is this. Man is and always will have a complete free will. It is always man's personal choice to choose to yield to God or choose to yield to the flesh. And God cannot be accused of being the one who created this temptation. And we don't have time to go into all the dynamics of understanding why there is good and evil in, in a situation. Uh, it seems that we failed to point out that man had access to the tree of life. You know, we've all focused in on or been taught to focus in on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we need to understand that. But we forget that the tree of life was there and that man was very probably partaking of the tree of life. Now, many people take the scripture in Genesis you know, where God blocked man from access to the tree of life because if he goes in and he eats it, he'll, you know, he'll live forever. Well, I don't understand in the language that it's saying if he ate from the tree of life one time that he would live forever. I, as I understand it, uh, eating from the tree of life was something that was an ongoing process. It was like abiding in 
God, uh, not a one-time event, but an ongoing process. Now, we know, like I say, so much about the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it seems there is very little mention of the fruit of the tree of life and its, and its availability to man. Like I say, most people that I've talked to seem to think that Adam and Eve never partook of the tree of life. Now, <clears throat> if you've listened to me very, very long, you've heard me refer to the glory of God as God's view, opinion, and reality. Now, the law of first reference is always the clearest place to grasp and understand any truth in its simplest form. God's reality is the true reality. It is absolute. And uh, it, just like in, in the garden, it exists alongside the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So stop and think about it. If I partake of the tree of life, see, we think of the tree of life as a magic elixir that when you take it, it just automatically makes you uh, have eternal life. And, but, but the tree of life wasn't just about experiencing the fruit that came from it, the physical manifestation of life. Uh, it was about what happened inside you that caused you to experience that life. Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, really the knowledge of good and evil is not what caused death to come into the picture. It was man alienated himself from God so that he could choose good and evil. So good and evil that we determine for ourselves, independent of God, always leads to death on some level. Life which is only found in God, always leads to more life. And, 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 and the process of life is the way of wisdom. The process of death is the way of the personal knowledge of good and evil. So uh, there's always going to be that option. And we're always going to have to choose what we're going to partake of, what we're going to eat. Now, there is a vague possibility that the fruit of the two trees are, in fact, really the fruit that grows in our lives. I'm not saying that that is just absolutely it. But eating of the tree is simply the fact that we choose which one we will trust. Now, the fruit of life, the fruit of the sustained harmony with God and man, it was not about the knowledge of good and evil. It was about the experience of good. In other words, to ex it was about experiencing life. Now, hang on to this statement. This is going to be crucial to understanding this message and really this, this, this whole series. See, knowledge is not equal to reality. Knowledge or information is a representation of something that's real, but knowledge itself is not real. It is, it is information about, about something that's real. Having the knowledge of a good life, or actually having a good life, are not one and the same thing. And by the way, anytime you see the word good in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, you need to think about the concept of being in harmony with God. See, that which is good is always in harmony with God, which means evil 
is not necessarily what we think. Evil is that which is out of harmony with God. Now, when you believe yourself to be less than God says you are, it's evil. Why? Because your belief is not in harmony with God. So having the information about life is not equal to experiencing life or actually being in harmony with God. Now, we are living in a time where, where serious, good people, people seeking to live godly, have reversed what the Bible teaches about life and light. You see, Jesus is the life, and the life brings forth the light. So experiencing the life of God brings forth the understanding and even the knowledge to some degree of, of, of what we have experienced. So it's not theoretical knowledge, it's experiential knowledge. Experiential knowledge, you know things that actually go beyond your ability to explain, your ability to put into words. But we have reversed that and we would say that 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 in him was, the, was the, the light and the light was the life. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says the life, the, the life was the light, not the light was the life. And so, you see, Gnosticism, which permeated the early church very early on, is based on the idea that knowledge equals life. So today, most people who talk about righteousness are really going to, they're just, it's just information. It's the definitions of righteousness. They have a definition, uh, and, and whether you're a legalist or a liberalist, whether you, however you think about righteousness, if it's not something that you are experiencing that is empowering your life, then basically what you have is a definition of some kind. But we think the fact that we can talk about it, that we can have conversations about it, or that we have a definition of it, we think that that is equal to actually having the experience. Well, knowledge is not the experience. Now, listen, I can't go any farther than this today. I'm going to pick this up next week, and we're going, to, we're going to knock this thing out of the ballpark next week because I want to help you come to the place where, first of all, you really discover how to have experiential knowledge with God, not theoretical knowledge. And you become able to experience the life of God without trying to work it all out in a calculation through knowledge. Now, there's a place for knowledge, and you're going, you're going to discover what the place for knowledge is. But having, see, basically what we do in our approach to God, in our approach to the miraculous, we want to go eat from the knowledge, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then we want to pass a judgment about what needs to happen and how it happens that makes it possible for us to then go eat from the tree of life. Well, that's really not the way it, it works. We want to eat from the tree of life and let knowledge emerge because of the experience that, we're, that we've had with life. Listen, I hope you're enjoying these broadcasts. And, you know, when this thing goes off, if you'll just take 10 seconds at the end of this, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to this or like this. This is going to help people all over the world continue to see this. And, 
you know something, if you want to help me reach people all over the world with the, this message of, of the love of God, the righteousness of God, the faith righteousness, I want to tell you something. We're, we're going to raise up a million disciples, or excuse me, a billion disciples around the world, probably already have a million. And you can help us. Just check, just check out Operation 1B and go to my website, www.impactministries.com. Got all kinds of free resources and tools to help you make this journey. And if you want to pick up this series so you can get the hours of messages on this, just be sure and go to my website and pick it up, Being the Wisdom of God. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.